bienvenidas al podcast Dos Bold Latinas. Aquí están sus hosts, Jat Nabreu y Josibel Madera Vialet, dos latinas feministas born en Santo Domingo y en New York. Passionate about Latina empowerment, Spanglish, learning, growth, and so much more. Hola mujeres, today's episode is really special and emotional to me because I am finally sharing my experience with pregnancy loss, um, specifically my journey with having experienced a molar pregnancy in 2021. Ever since I experienced the loss, immediately after, I felt the need to share with more women about this difficult journey that many of us go through, but it is hard to talk about it most times. I knew I wanted to share and educate others, but I just wasn't prepared to do so until now. So today, Rosie will be asking me some questions about my experience with molar pregnancy, and I am hoping this information is relatable to other women, that you can learn more about the topic if you or someone ever have to endure something similar, which I truly hope no one else has to, but we know it is really not up to us. But before I turn it over to Rosie, let me provide the definition and cause of a molar pregnancy so that you have a better understanding of the term in general as we have this conversation today. So a molar pregnancy is a very rare complication that happens when the tissue inside the uterus becomes a mass or tumor. And when I say very rare, it's because it normally happens in one out of every 1,000 pregnancies. So there are two types of molar pregnancy. There's the complete molar pregnancy and the partial molar pregnancy, which is what basically happened to me. In a complete molar pregnancy, the placental tissue swells and appears to form fluid-filled cysts and there is no fetus. And then in a partial molar pregnancy, again, what happened to me, the placenta might have both regular and irregular tissue, and there may be a fetus, but the fetus cannot survive. The fetus usually is miscarried early in the pregnancy. And then in this partial molar or incomplete molar pregnancy, the mother's chromosomes are present, but the father basically supplies two sets of chromosomes. So the embryo then has 69 chromosomes instead of 46. And this most often happens when two sperms um, fertilize an egg, resulting in an extra copy of the father's genes. So with that explanation, I will now turn it over to Rosy so she can lead us through this chat today. Hola, mujeres, and thank you, Jana, so much for having the courage for this because I, I, I would say I kind of know because, you know, I would, I feel, I was just thinking, I feel like it's going to be like that time again, I would ask you many questions. I mean, I would try to go on Google. I'm like, pregnancy and I looked it up and, and, but I, I never got, I would never get to the point of knowing how you felt inside. So I, I honestly feel like I'm even going to learn more about it today. Yes. Uh, so let's start out with, if you know, just you as, um, how can you share 
you know, can you share a little bit about your personal experience with my molar pregnancy? Like, what were some of the signs and symptoms that led you to seek that medical attention? Like, I remember you saying, like, you just didn't feel something right about it. And I mean, I didn't understand, but I was like, wow. Like, once you told me, I was like, that is so right, because I saw your tummy growing. I remember mm-hmm. even saying in your Christmas picture, like, you're glowing. We didn't even know you were pregnant. But anyways, let me not go into that. But I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is all coming to me again. So, um, so yes, I, um, so in 2020, I want to say it was December 2020 when I finally found out that, um, like, we were expecting baby number two at the time. And, um it was weird. It was very weird. Then, and I understand that, like when people say, like, "Oh, your pregnancies will be different." Like, I get that. Like, obviously, I have a second child now, um, and it was very different. But I feel like at the time, it was really. I felt like something was really odd. I first didn't know that I was pregnant, but then something. But I knew that something didn't feel right. So I originally went to the doctor just to check on like, hey, like I spoke to my OB at the time and I said, hey, I just want you to, you know, take a look at, um, you know, let's talk about what's ha- what's happening right now. Um, just because I feel like, you know, we started trying a couple of months ago and nothing's happening. So I specifically went to that appointment, not because I was pregnant, but because I wanted to get pregnant and I wasn't pregnant yet. <laughs> And so I asked her to, you know, like, hey, can I get an appointment? Because I really need you to see what's going on. It's been taking a while this time around. And so I went in, um, they checked me and she was like, hey, I mean, I know you're here for, you know, for us to discuss this, you know, not you not getting pregnant yet, but you're actually pregnant. And I'm like, no, that's impossible. And she said, yes, you are pregnant. And so, you know, they gave me a test, obviously it was positive. Then they started to test my, um, my hormones essentially, um, just to make sure that like, yes, it was an actual pregnancy. And, you know, they, that, at that appointment, she just sent me, you know, home and she was like, you know, I'll see you again in, um, at your, we'll do an ultrasound maybe in a couple of weeks, just to make sure things are going well. And then, um, we know, I'll see you for your 12 week appointment. And so I don't know, I came back home, but I still didn't feel like it just didn't feel right. Like I had a lot of pressure in my um, pelvis, like just unusual pressure, essentially. And it just hurt really badly, which to me, like, I mean, when you're pregnant, I know it hurts, but it's not like to the point that you're like, oh, like this is bad, like really bad. Like it hurts. Um, so, you know, I reached out again, they're like, okay, two weeks later, like, let's just set, let's just see where the pregnancy is and see like what may may be happening. So I got an ultrasound. I think at the time I was like, I don't know, supposed to be six weeks, but then when they did the ultrasound, nothing showed up period (laughs) on the ultrasound. So they were like, okay, maybe it's too early. Um, so they sent me home again and it still continued to hurt. Like I had a lot of pressure. It just really, really hurt. And so they were like, okay, come back in two weeks and like, let's see if there's something there. And so I went back. Yes, there was something there. They checked. Everything seemed fine at the time. There was something there, but they couldn't confirm that it was actually like, a. I mean, at the time they said like, oh yeah, I see. Yeah. It's a feed, like a baby or the, you know, the, at the time wasn't a fetus, but like there's an embryo, like we see it there. And then they're like, but they're, you know, everything's fine. And I'm like, yeah, but I still don't feel okay. Something it's, you know, 
not okay. And they're like, no, we just got to wait. Sent me home again. And I just kept, you know, living my life as usual, but I just wasn't feeling myself and it just didn't feel right. And then, you know, we went back again for um, my 12 week ultrasound at the time. Like, like, I feel like time just flew by, but I still didn't feel comfortable. Like physically, I was just feeling like, I don't know, like very nauseous all the time, which is not normal for me because I didn't have that with my first pregnancy or now my, you know, with my pregnancy last year. So to me, it was kind of odd. And then we went into that appointment and, you know, I requested that she checked pretty much everything just because it just didn't feel right. And yep, long and behold, it wasn't right when she, you know, tried to look for the baby's um, heartbeat. Um, she didn't find anything. So she requested that they bring in the, like, uh, one of those old, uh, machines that you could do an ultrasound on essentially. And then she took it. She tried to see if like something was happening or baby was, I don't know, like maybe not in the right place. And then, yeah, she found something like a lump of something. It wasn't even like a baby yet, more like a mass, kind of like how I explained before. And she was just like, I just see a like a lump of something there and he has no heartbeat. So like, I don't know, like, I don't feel, I think something's wrong. And I was like, <laughs> you know, I had shared this with you. Like, I didn't feel right. And so from there, obviously, you know, like they did like another ultrasound just to check that it was exactly, you know, like that literally where there was nothing there that like whatever she checked that it was like a lump of something. And yeah, they found out that like, it could be something really bad. So she mentioned that I needed to get like um, to the hospital the next day. She was like, I'm going to schedule you right away, right away, because I don't want you to, it could be something really bad. And I think we need to get that out right away. And I can't tell you what it is because we will have to test it afterwards. And so that's when basically everything happened. And so obviously like the back and forth is how I was like, I need to seek medical attention essentially. And this is where I would throw that plug in that when women feel that something's off, it's mm-hmm. like we know our body best. Yes. I mean, all respect to medical attention. But whenever you still feel like in your gut something's not right, you know, you, you keep pushing for yourself because sometimes we're like, oh, no, you know, this, everything is fine. But we know our body best. And and right now you just gave that testimony. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, once you receive, receive that diagnosis of the molar pregnancy, like how did you feel emotionally? Also, like what were like, what first came to mind? Like, you know, like sometimes there's something like, oh my gosh, that's the initial thought. And like what other concerns started going through your mind through the process? Well, at first I, you know, I had to basically come to the realization when, you know, when I was there at her office where she said, you know, like there's no baby there. Like essentially there's a lump of something in your uterus and I need to take it out ASAP because it will be risky for your life. Um, And so we schedule a, I know there may be a question about this later, but we schedule a DNC. Um, just to, which is a procedure that where they take, you know, everything out of what the residue. So like whatever is left in the uterus, they take it out just to make sure that, you know, like, um, nothing else bad happens to you. 
um, in your health, essentially, once they find out that there's like, you know, like uh, you've lost the pregnancy, essentially. And because at the time I was 12 weeks, um, essentially, or the mass, the lump was 12 weeks. Um, they like they needed to literally like take me in and take it out right away just because it could have been really bad for my health. And so I at the time, obviously, we didn't know that it was a molar pregnancy because she was just like, I can't tell you right now what it is. But when we go through the process tomorrow of removing it from your uterus, then we can test. I can send it to the lab and then they can test to see like what what may have happened or what would, you know, what was the cause of what, you know, this mass or this lump of whatever you had in your uterus. And I was like, okay. And she, and she asked me like, would you like to do that? And she was like, I'm not going to push for you to do this just because like this would be additional money. And so it did cost more money for us to understand, like if we wanted to test it, it would be additional money for us to understand like what exactly is what happened in this case and how could, you know, could, I don't know, I prevent it next time if that's even possible. And so I say, you know what, I I don't care, you know, that is going to take, it's going to cost additional money. Like what if it's something really bad and I don't, and you know, and, and I don't know. And so it causes more problems down the road if I want to, you know, try again for a baby. And so she was like, yeah, it makes sense. So let's go through the process. And then once I get the, you know, everything now, we will send it to the lab and then I'll get the results and then we'll talk about it. I'll, I'll personally call you and we'll talk about a follow-up and like what, what that, the results look like essentially. But Obviously it wasn't like at the time, I want to say I wasn't really emotional just because I was fearing from my life at the time, you know, cause I was just like, damn, like I, I wanted to have a baby. And then I ended up like, yeah, like I lost this baby. And then they're telling me like, it wasn't even a baby. It was like a mass or whatever. So at this point, and it could, you know, it could affect me and my health or whatever. So at this point I wasn't even thinking about like, oh, I lost the baby you know, I lost whatever. Like I was just more like, how am I going to get better? Like, how can I get it to the point where like, I need this out of me so that I am able to continue to stay healthy just because like I wasn't at the right space at the time or mind to think about to grieve. Essentially. It was more like, let's get this done and then we'll see what I do afterwards. Essentially. Let me just go and ask this question before I keep talking more. I'm like, Oh, this is all bringing stuff back to me. So with that, you know, of you didn't have the time to think about it. You were grieving. So I'm sure it was also a little bit confusing for family and friends to really understand what's going on. They're like, I personally remember like, okay, so was there really like a baby loss? Was this just something that your body mm-hmm. reacted like you were pregnant, like all their hormones, but then there really was no baby because I might, me personally, like I didn't even really understand it. And I, and I remember talking to you like this. That's how you, at some point you also felt. So, I mean, just to, th- this question is also to educate women out there that even though, like, sometimes you, you know, you don't understand it and it's harder to even tell family because you really don't understand it. Like, can you help? Like, give us your testimony and like, how did your family and friends react to the news of your molar pregnancy and like were they even aware this existed or did you have to explain it to them which I'm sure you probably had like a copy and paste thing okay <laughs> I'm sure you went through a lot of, of explaining so let's help these women out there um, yes for sure you. um so 
once I went through the process, right, like they took everything out of me and then it took about a week. They sent it to the lab. Um, then, you know, she called me back, obviously, with the news, like, hey, I wanted to my so my, my OBGYN, right? So she called me like, I wanted to follow up because remember, we talked about sending the um, the tissue to um, the lab so that we can understand better what what happened. And so she was like, I am so sorry to tell you that this was um a partial molar pregnancy and if you guys remember i explained at the top um you know like in the intro kind of like what it was and with a partial molar pregnancy essentially like i said it was a mass instead of a baby that formed in my uterus and then that mass essentially um was created by two sperms that fertilized the one egg that I had. And so it created an excessive amount of chromosomes, essentially. And so it just couldn't create like an an actual baby. It was literally like a mass. And so when she explained that to me, she was like, you know, this is very rare. And I haven't seen this in a long time. So I need to do some research on my end. So even my doctor you know, was already like, uh, let me go back because I haven't seen this in a long time. Like I've treated this back in the days, like in my whole, you know, my entire time being a, being an OBGYN, I think I've only seen this once or twice. And so I need to go back and confirm like what the updated data says about, you know, molar pregnancies in general, and then specifically you having a partial molar pregnancy. And so let me do my research and then I'm going to send you I'm going to follow up with some documents so that you understand what it is and and what we need to do moving forward. And so, okay, I was like, okay, that's fine. And she was like, you know, we do have to do um, some follow-up testing because I don't think you will be able to... um, try again, you know, for to have a baby, um, just so soon, we're going to have to do some testing and we have to follow up. And then I will let you know when you have the green light to essentially, um, you know, resume with wanting to, um, have a baby essentially. And I was like, okay, at that point it kind of sounded like, okay, this, this sounds more, you know, <laughs> a lot more complicated than, than like, okay, you lost a baby and then like wait a couple of months, get your period. And then, and, you know, try again at this point, she's like, we need to do follow-up testing because you could, this mask could also contain cancer cells. And so you could get cancer out of it. And I was like, say what? And so she was like, yeah, so that's why I need to follow up and, make, and do some testing because we want to make sure that you don't get cancer out of this, essentially. So when you ask about, you know, I got the diagnosis, I understand, I, like I understood what it was. Like I read it a million times because I knew that people would ask me, you know, like about it, at least the people that like family and friends, like you mentioned. So it was really hard to explain to people. They were like, oh, you know, like, yeah, pregnancy loss. And I say molar pregnancy, and like, oh, and they're like, what is that? Because that's that doesn't sound like a common thing. And I'm like, yeah, it's not. And so, like you said, if it was text message, I would have to like copy paste, like, okay, this is what it is, and this is what happened. Um, and even when I shared it with, you know, when I felt more comfortable with people and I shared it with with other women, like, hey, um, yeah, like I also experienced a loss and was a molar pregnancy. Like, again, nobody ever knew what it was. So they're like, oh, like, so can you explain a little more about it? So 
I don't think it was frustrating to me, honestly, like having to educate people about it. Um, I felt actually felt really good to me to be like, yeah, I think people should know about this and people should learn that this happens. And I know that there may be other things out there, right? That women go through like other kind of complicated pregnancies um, that they go through. And so there may not be a lot of information out there about it. So like if I have the knowledge and I went through it myself, why not share it with people? So at that point, I just felt like, you know what? Fine. Like I'll educate people. And maybe one day if something happens to someone close to them or even happens to them, they'll know more about it and they'll be able to know like, Hey, I know someone who went through that. So let me connect the two of you. So you guys can talk about it essentially. And so, um, you know, I felt, it felt fine to me to, you know, share with them what it was. And I actually, you know, like I said earlier, like I it felt I felt the need to at some point use our platform as, you know, for our podcast as those Bolatinas to share with other women what that is and and just explain to them and educate them about the topic, you know, so that if they ever go through something like this, they kind of know where to go to get, you know, resources essentially. Well thank you for becoming a valuable resource from all of our mujeres and uh earlier you mentioned dnc and i'm just like i don't even know what that is and you know here it says dilation and and curatage but i'm like that still doesn't tell me what that is so because you know more pregnancies often require medical interventions and that was one that you had so can you describe your experience with um the procedure and how was that recovery process? Yeah. So um, the next day, so when I went to, obviously, like I mentioned that she was like, yeah, we got to get out of your body because, you know, it could be health related. Uh, it could damage your health and uh, your health and things could, you know, it could just go wrong from there, even though she didn't know that it was a molar pregnancy at the time. So, but she rightly, so made sure to get it out of me essentially. And so the procedure, like you said, a DNC, um, it's basically dilatation and curatish, like you said. And so what they do is that I specifically, they, um, and this hap- happens a lot. It doesn't have to be just for molar pregnancies, to be honest. I know um, it's a procedure that is given as an option to women that have had like a regular miscarriage. miscarriage um, and they, you know, and it can happen up to, if I'm not mistaken, it can be offered up to 12 weeks, essentially. So like if you lost your pregnancy or you miscarried prior to, you know, up to 12 weeks, you are able to get this kind of procedure, essentially. And so I know that a lot of women are given the option to either go that route where the doctor extracts the tissue and everything inside your uterus um, with like a... um it's like a spatula and a suction. Um, I want to say like a, like a suction backing type of thing. So they try to scrape around your um, uterus, like all the residue of the pregnancy, essentially all the tissue and everything. And then they suck it out of you essentially. And then that's, you know, then it stays empty. And then it goes back to, I was 12 weeks at the time. So like my uterus was a little, you know, like a 12 week size mass. Obviously I had, and so they make sure to extract them and like it takes time for you to your for your uterus to like you know shrink down to its normal normal size again. Um and then um obviously like you bleed for I don't know like a couple of maybe one to two weeks essentially. And then um 
you, I was put down by the way. Like I, I don't think at that point, I think they, you know, they don't really give you an option to just like do it that way just because it's painful. And also like, it's, it's just something you don't want to be up for, you know, while they're doing it. And so they put me under. So I was, um, I was under anesthesia the whole time. And it's only a, it's a procedure that only takes about 30 minutes or so essentially. And then I think they use a camera essentially also just to make sure like an ultrasound, they do another ultrasound just to see where the, where the tissue is located at the time. And then the doctor then goes in and then like extracts the thing, the tissue and it comes out. And then, um, they basically, you know, you come back from, you know, anesthesia and then they give you antibiotics, obviously, and then pain medications just so you, you know, you can feel better. Um, and then you bleed for about a week or two, and then you're not allowed to do like, you know, like heavy lifting or just a lot of walking for the first, I want to say couple of days, but afterwards then you could just, and then you're not allowed to use, you know, I mean, this is a lot of TMI, but if you, you know, if you're not interested in this, obviously you don't have to continue to listen to it, but, um, you're not allowed to like insert stuff, you know, in there because it could cause, you know, bacteria and all an infection or whatever. So you're, they ask you to not wear like tampons or, you know, like the, the cups, the little cups, uh, that you could put, um, like when you have your period. So like they, they ask you to just wear maybe like a, like a pad um, for about two weeks up until like you're, you know, already feeling better and you're no longer bleeding um, from the procedure essentially. So that's the, um, the process essentially. And um, I think that after the procedure, you know, that's kind of when you feel like already like, okay, then I don't, I'm no longer pregnant at that point, essentially. And so that's when, you know, your mind starts like wondering and then you start thinking about like, okay, what happened essentially? And that's kind of what happened to me. Okay. So it sounds like it was a, the recovery was more of that mental and emotional versus physically. Because I remember seeing you, I don't know it was that same day or day after. I was like, um, didn't you just go like you're explaining this? I'm like, oh my gosh, like it hurts just thinking about it. And I saw you. So that's why it's like sometimes when we're like, be gentle, be kind to people out there. Because you don't even know what they can have just gotten in the past 24 hours. So if I like, if you would have never told me, hey, I got this procedure done and I would have seen and the way I saw you, I would have been like, Oh, like nothing's going on with Jana at all. Okay, yo te vi igualita, but you had gone through all of that in the past 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And so earlier you mentioned like, oh, you know, when your doctor told you, oh, this mask could be cancerous. And I also was like, when you were like, I was like, man, like, what the heck is this? Like, besides a loss, you could get cancer for this. It was like a double like a double slap in my face. So I could just imagine like, like when you heard that, because I was like, oh, like, like, as you said, like, it's not very common. So since they, like, since these type of pregnancies have that risk of developing a GTN, which is a form of cancer, how did you navigate the aspect of, you know, that journey? And was there any kind of follow-up care that you started to receive to make sure that you didn't? Yeah. So she, um, 
once she delivered the diagnosis to me and, you know, she kind of mentioned, Hey, you know, like, just so you know, I want you to be aware that like, I know the first thing that comes to mind for women that go through a loss right away. is like, when can I try again, essentially? And which, you know, she's like, and I, which I understand, which it's a valid question, but she was like, for you, um, this is a very risky complication. So I do have to follow up with you and then make sure that your hormones are going back to a normal level or just like literally to zero down to my pregnancy hormones at the time, they need to go back to zero. And I have to, you basically have to come into the lab to get, um, your blood drawn, um, every week, the same day, every week for the next couple of months, just to make sure that your, you know, your HCG is going down to zero. And then after that, we will do monthly follow-ups just to make sure that it's still at zero. Because what would happen is that if your ACG does, does not go down to zero at all, and you still have the pregnancy hormones in you, it means that you did develop cancer. And then we will have to go through therapy, like some sort of like chemotherapy in my uterus, like for my uterus to ensure that we get, we can get rid of the cancer um, cells. And then you are able to then try again at some point, but she didn't really specify when exactly um, that would be and how long it would take. So I was like, okay, fine. Um, you know, and obviously rightly so I asked her like, okay, but what are we thinking though? She was like, you know, the research shows that we should, you should stay away from, we should follow up and we should stay away from getting pregnant right away so quickly for about, I don't know, six months to a year. And so that was hard for me because I was like, okay, so I'm trying to have a baby. I lost the baby or whatever, whatever happened, right? Like then I developed this this thing and then now this thing was taken out of me, but it could turn into cancer. And then I can't even try to get pregnant again for like a whole year probably up until we can see and that is that is if I don't get cancer out of it because if I do get cancer then I do have to treat it you know with chemotherapy and who knows how long that takes and 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 then after whatever how long that takes then that's when I'll think about you know if I can continue to have you know get pregnant again so it was hard it was a difficult and emotional um, state of mind to be it and, and honestly and, and information. And so I just, it was hard. It was very difficult. So I was like, okay, fine. Well, let's just start with the process and see where it goes. Um, let's not think she did say like, let's not think about, let's not think that far. Cause I was already asking her, you know, like me, the planner that I am like, okay, if this takes this time, this amount of time. And then if I do get cancer, like what are the, you know, what are the next steps? And so she didn't want me to get ahead of myself. So she was like, let's first monitor you for the first couple of weeks and then we'll see where you are. And then we'll, if we do, if it does get to the point where you do develop the cancer cells, then we will talk about that, you know, at that point, but let's not get ahead of ourselves essentially, which I love the fact that she was very, uh, you know, for a doctor, <laughs> essentially she was very positive and more like no like what well, let's take it one step at a time let's do this first and then we'll go if it gets to that point then we'll talk about what needs to happen then 
So, you know, that's why I love my doctor because she was very, um, even though things could get worse, she was very positive and more like, let's leave them in the moment. Let's see what happens. And then we'll go from there essentially, rather than getting ahead of ourselves. And so for me, luckily, you know, we did the testing, we did the follow-ups. It didn't take, I didn't get cancer, by the way. <laughs> if you're, if you're wondering like, what happened? Like you see, you know, you're saying, you're telling the story, but like, did you get cancer out of it? And so luckily I did not develop cancer cells. It did take me um, 12 weeks exactly for my hormones. So for my HCG, my pregnancy hormone to go down to zero. So for for 12 weeks in a row, I went to a lab to get blood drawn to ensure that that hormone was zero essentially, or went down to zero. And then from there, I did uh, do two follow-ups, two monthly follow-ups, just to make sure that I was still at zero. And so the hormone didn't come back up. And that's when, you know, she basically gave me the green light to actually try again for uh, another pregnancy, ex- essentially. So, um, but just know that this is something that could happen. However, there is, um, I think it's only only one to 2% of women that do have a molar pregnancy develop the GTN, uh, uh, you know, that, uh, so the cancer that uh, Rosie had mentioned earlier. And so uh, luckily I was, you know, wasn't one of those one, in, one to 2% and it did go away. I never got the cancer of cells. And it took about the, the whole journey, I want to say, from the time that I lost a pregnancy to the time that I was clear to try again to have another or to try to have another baby was about four months in total. But then again, I do want to make sure that, you know, you understand that it could take longer. This was just my case and how, you know, with how I worked with my um OB and how, you know, she treated me and how she made sure that, you know, I was ready and she felt, she actually felt comfortable with letting me, uh, you know, go ahead and try again to, for another pregnancy, just because, you know, for four months she followed up and nothing happened, everything stayed clear. And so that's how we got to the next, you know, to try and again, essentially after four months. Well, glory to God that you did not get that GNT, GTN yes. cancer. And for putting that doctor in your life that I honestly felt like he was speaking to you through her. That's my personal opinion. Agreed. Um, And I know earlier you were talking about how you didn't find it difficult or frustrating to explain like what the molar pregnancy is and your experience. But in that process of you educating others, were there any misconceptions or stigmas that you encountered? And if so, how did you address them? I definitely did. And I think a lot of women that I don't think this is related to molar pregnancy specifically, to be honest. Um, But I think one of the misconceptions and the stigma when you talk to people about, um, you know, when they ask you like, oh, when are you going to have a second child or your next baby or whatever? They don't know that you have experienced a a loss, essentially. And so when you do share that information with them, their reaction would be, um, oh, you know, okay, that sounds, you know, like you had a loss and 
And again, like once you go into the detail, like, well, but it was a molar pregnancy and this is all that happened to me. So no, I can't try for a baby right away. So the misconception and the stigma is that it'll be fine, you know, like try again and it'll happen, you know, whenever, whenever it happens, essentially. So I don't think people understand how like not sensitive, (laughs) you know what I mean? It is for some, for for them to tell you like, hey, like for you to share with them, like, hey, I just literally had a loss. So obviously like, I'm not gonna like just try again. And and they don't understand that like, okay, I can try again. Well, what if this happens again? You know what I mean? Like they don't understand how difficult it is for you to go through such a traumatic journey and process for them to just say like, try again and it'll be fine. Because and I feel like this is something, it's not just like a general thing. Like I also felt like, and whatever, if we would have been the general audience or people, population, whatever, telling me like people that I just, I don't talk to on a normal basis, essentially, or like they're just, you know, acquaintances or just like, uh, you know, just like regular friends, whatever, like it's fine. Like they don't know any better. But like when these things come from your family members, you know, when they mention those things and they just tell you like, oh, you know, it's fine. You'll be okay. Try again later. Like coming from your parents specifically, because that came from my parents a lot too, where they were like, yeah, that's unfortunately, uh, that's unfortunate that it happened to you, but you know, you're still young and obviously you've already had one. So just, you know, try again whenever the doctor says that you should try again. So to me, that was very unsensitive, insensitive to tell me like, just go ahead and try again later when I'm trying to go through this grieving process, which is so difficult for me because I'm trying to be strong, you know, internally for my family, for my husband and for myself, but for someone to come to me and tell me like, like nothing, like just try again. Like if it was like nothing happened and I didn't have a sort of like a baby in me, you know, for, for 12 weeks or whatever, even though, you know, it might've not been a baby. It was, it wanted to be a baby. Uh, but for someone to say that to me, I think it's very inconsiderate. And so those are the misconceptions and statements that we have to um, kind of talk through, you know, about with people when they ask you those kind of questions, because they don't know what you're going through. And I feel like, and I and I don't think it's bad for someone to ask you, you know, like if we, if you want kids at some point, or, you know, like, if you want to try, if you're trying for a baby, like, I don't think it's bad. Like, it's not malicious if someone's asking you, but I feel like it has to be, it has to be done in a way that it's not so insensitive per se. Cause you could ask like, Hey, I don't know what your situation is. If you really want to know, right? Like, I don't know what your situation is, but like, are you guys, you know, trying like to build a family or whatever? Like, if you really want to know, that's fine, but you got to be you got to be cautious on how you ask that question, essentially. And so you don't know what other people are going through. And so having to say those things, and I, and I know there's a lot of million other things that people say, honestly, to people that have experienced a loss that's not right at all to just for someone that just had a loss that like, oh, you'll have, you know, don't worry, you're, you're young, don't worry, um, try again. Like if nothing happened, like there's a lot of million things that people say wrong that I understand that happened, that we need to be more cautious about moving forward just because you don't know, like you said, Rosie, right? Like you don't know what someone's story is or what has happened to them in the past. 
And you don't even know if someone like this is like a loss, right? But what about someone that like it has infertility issues, right? And they've been trying to have a baby for years, but they haven't been able to, you know, succeed at it. So like those are questions that are sensitive to us certain people. So people need to stop assuming and need to be a little more considerate. And when someone shares with you that they had a miscarriage or that they had a loss, like you could just be more like, oh, you know, I'm so sorry that happened. I really hope that um, you get to have the, you know, at the end, at the end of the day, like, I hope you get to have the, the kids you want to have or whatever, instead of like, you'll be fine. Just try again. You know what I mean? That's so insensitive. Like, just be like, yes, I understand. I'm so sorry. And I wish you, you know, whatever. So those are the things that we have to be a little mindful with. And so the things that I encounter and that I had to educate people about when I was sharing more about my experience with pregnancy loss and specifically smaller pregnancy. Yeah. And, and I can imagine how many people told you, oh, you're strong. You'll get through this. Like it, it, it's something like that because mm-hmm. that's how most of us are like, you know, trained to be that. Oh, we're strong. Pero it's like you still gotta, como se dice, like still acknowledge that there's that feeling and there's that emotion, not to dismiss it. And I and I feel like that's what tends to happen a lot. Like, oh, that doesn't matter. Like, like dismiss it. No, like let's just embrace that. And yes, we'll get through it, but not be dismissive of of the emotion. And and honestly, like after you went through that, because I never I. If I have been close to someone that's had a loss, I would not know of it. But after you went through that, I was like, wow, that's when I went more Instagram stories and like the stories you would share. I'm like, I even have to think about uh, being sensitive when I ask a question or even when I would say, oh, my gosh, I got pregnant so easily. Like I even have had to change that wording because I didn't think of how that could affect others. Like I only was thinking about myself, my process. And that also increased awareness to me of like how I even share my thing because it's like, that's a trigger for someone. They can be like, well, lucky you, bitch. Like you got it, but I didn't, you know, like, so. I love it. I, I love that you're saying that because, and I hope that with you saying that other women that haven't experienced any of this and has, and has have, have had your experience essentially where they're like, Oh, I had a baby. It was so easy for me. The one, the second, the third, whatever, how many times they had Mm -hmm. a baby, you know, like that's great. But I think, and that's great for you and nobody. And again, we're not, no one that has gone through loss. Like it's like, personally, like, it's not like I'm envious. It's just that, wow. Like that's great for you that you didn't have to go through what I went through because it was difficult, but don't, don't be, you know, don't be super insensitive about it. Like, yes, like be cautious of how you share that or how you say those things, just because not everyone, you know, has had the the same end result or the same, you know, it was as easy for them to actually get to where they are today. I mean, imagine there's a lot of people that have to go through like tons of losses before they get the first child or, you know, whatever, how many, however many ch- children they have imagine like the IVF process, the like even surrogacy process, like there's so much out there that women have to like Mm -hmm. 
think about to be able, you know, when you have infertility that you have to endure for someone to come and tell you like, yep, I, like you said, like, that was so easy for me. And then they're sitting here like, okay, then I suck and my body doesn't do what it needs to do to, and we're not the same. Not everyone's the same. And so there are some of us, some of us that are less fortunate, you know, so that's why you got to be very sensitive. And I love that you're sharing that. And I hope that other women that have not gone through those, you know, through that journey, like understand how to approach, you know, something like that moving forward when they talk to people that have experienced losses, essentially. Yeah. It's a learning process. And again, I'm glad that you're here to educate us. And speaking of education, you know, um, like is what advice would you give to other women who have been diagnosed with a modern pregnancy or going through a similar experience? Like, are there any resources or support groups that you would recommend? Like, what did you do to get those resources? Because I know, I mean, I mentioned social media. Like, I, I feel like that was your major support system of finding a community out there that's similar. So can you share a little bit about that? Of course. So I think that for molar pregnancy specifically, there's really not a lot of resources out there, to be honest, um, just because it's so rare and only very few. Like I said, one out of a thousand pregnancies ends up in a molar pregnancy. So not a lot of women experience this. However, yes, it happens because obviously it happened to me. So there are some resources out there. I really had to dig into the internet and do my research to see like, okay, like, are there groups for these? Are there um, websites that talk about how you could cope while you're going through the process of like, yep, I have to go and follow up and can't do anything. Like I can't even get pregnant. So like that, your mind spirals a lot when you can't do anything. This is out of your control. And so you want something so bad that it's really difficult for you to stay focused and not think about, oh my God, like when can I actually start practicing, you know, like to to have this this baby essentially. And so it's hard. It's really hard. Like those four months, like it sounds short, but it was really long for me to like not be able to try and have another baby essentially. So the things that helped me the most was, and and not, and this is more, not necessarily for molar pregnancies. Like, yes, I did the research. I went in and found some websites and obviously like I'll try to link all those resources on our um, description box for anyone that's, you know, interested. But I think in general, there are a lot of resources out there that like just general like pregnancy loss resources essentially that you could you know there's groups out there like literally specifically for women who have experienced pregnancy loss and they are um most of them are free actually and just like you said rosie like so there's facebook groups they are um there are you know i found a instagram hashtag essentially groups like through like through hashtag molar pregnancy or like hashtag partial molar pregnancy, I was able to find women that actually had experienced um, a molar pregnancy. And so I decided to follow those women and to see their process and their journey and see the, you know, if they actually, the end results actually made me happy because I was like, okay, did they, did they, no, did this person get, I mean, that sounds bad, but like, did this person experience cancer, like out of their journey or, and they had to wait longer and do, um, you know, they do the 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 
chemotherapy or did this person like actually their hormones went down to zero and then, you know, they were able to resume and they actually had a baby right after like those, I had both. Right. So I try to follow people that, um, through Instagram, right. Like that actually had both experiences, like someone that had the journey. Cause I was going through the journey, but I didn't know where my journey was going to end or where, you know, whether I was going to get cancer, I wasn't, wasn't going to get cancer. So I, I follow people, women that had both experiences so that I could see what it would be like for me to go through those process, you know, either, either one, whether it was the one with where I ended up getting cancer or the one that where I end up not getting cancer and then try for, you know, for a baby right away. So those are resources that are, you know, that you can find on Instagram. You can find hashtags. Literally there's a hashtag for everything in social media, especially on Instagram. Like you put hashtag pregnancy loss, hashtag, um, miscarriage awareness hashtag there's just so much whatever you're into or you're looking for specifically just find that just put the hashtag on instagram and you will find lots of profiles of women who have gone through all those things and it will be beneficial so but i what i will say though is that don't get into too into the spending a lot of time though on social media because I think the more I spent time in social media like living yes understanding like what the journey was for those women I think the harder it got because then a lot of them a lot of the stories that I follow or the women that I follow didn't necessarily end with like a baby per se like yes they had more uh, like they they went through a molar pregnancy they, um, yeah, they didn't get cancer. Okay. They were clear to try again. And then yes, they had, they got pregnant and then boom, they lost the baby again, not necessarily through molar pregnancy, but through something else, you know, just like a, a mis- regular miscarriage or anything, you know, anything along, uh, something along the line. So that was a trigger for me because then I would compare myself to those you know, to those women essentially. And then in my mind, I'm like, oh my gosh, like the, you know, whenever I get clear and then I get to, to try again, like, what if that happens to me again? Like, what if I lose the baby again? So like, I think you have to manage it so that you're not always like trying to compare yourself, but just using the resources just to help you cope through the process. And so Going through social media, like, kind of help a lot. Um, but again, it could be bad too, because then I ended up like comparing myself. So that wasn't good. So I had to like step back and think about like how I wanted it, you know, wanted to manage that. And then, um, I also honestly, through my process, I seeked God a lot. Like, I literally printed out, you know, how we always mention that we put together a vision board essentially every year. Well, I created a quote board essentially with what I wanted in in the process or what I was looking forward to or like quotes from, you know, like the Bible verses from the Bible that would remind me of how good God is and that at some point, I, you know, within the right time, God will provide and he will, you know, we, I will get whatever it is that I am I am in need or whatever it is that got things that I should get essentially. So I literally created a whole board with like Bible verses and that helped me through the whole process a lot. 
I also created, I'm just like giving you guys everything that like kind of helped me go through this process essentially for the full, well, more than four months, right? Because I ended up, um, yeah, being clear for during that after four months, but then, yeah, then the time that you actually try again and then actually, you know, to get pregnant, it's also additional time, right? And for me, um, like I said before, I did end up getting pregnant because some of you have seen my daughter. She's six months old, well, seven months old tomorrow. And so, yes, my ending was thankfully, you know, thanks to God, he provided. And then, yes, my ending, like end result, I did get my daughter literally the year after. Um, so last year, but through the process, like it didn't, it wasn't like, oh, four months, you, you know, you were ready to, to resume activities and, and try for a baby. It, it wasn't that it didn't happen fast. Like it took another four to five months for me to get pregnant with my daughter, essentially. So we're talking about eight months in total there. So, or like a whole year, right? Like we count the whole pregnancy too. So I also want to be cautious, right? And mindful that there's more than just the, the, the waiting time is a lot longer than sometimes what we think. So I also created a, um, a playlist on uh, my Spotify, which I also sometimes still listen to it, to be honest, because it just reminds me of the of the time that I was going through that and how God was so good to me. And then I ended up with the, you know, with my baby. Um, so I, I that I always every time I felt some type of way or rem- rem- remember what I went through, I would literally just listen to that playlist and it would like kind of like help me, you know, think about like, yep, it it again, trust God and things will be fine. And then obviously doing my due diligence, like it's not like I wasn't, obviously we were doing what we needed to do for it to happen. But additionally to that, like I had those other resources that were helping me. And then um, manifestation, obviously, like I was always positive about putting it out, you know, in the world, like, oh, you know, whenever, if and I, when I do have a baby, a second baby. So like manifestation is really important. And I want to say number one thing that helped me through the process too. You want to guess what was it, Rosie? And we talk about it all the time. What did I get? The fed that there's that we talk about it all the time. Yeah, mental for for mental health. Ah, the therapist. Yes, ding ding ding. I was ding, like, you know. I was like, there's a lot of stuff I could think about, like your your journal. Or like the la cosa que tu ponía en tu barriga also, or like the yeah the, yep. the app to to process that. I'm like, there's a lot of stuff you haven't mentioned yet. Can say that? Okay, thank yep. you for so, that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the number one thing that helped me the most too, like yes, like Rosie said, like I did a bunch of stuff that like I could list for you guys, honestly. But I think it's it's gonna be based on your you know, like your personality and what you believe in and all those things, right? So like, it would be personal to you. But I think the number one thing that helped me through this entire journey was my therapist. My sister, I went, I want to say the whole process without getting a therapist, to be honest, Uh, because my sister was like, "Mm, you say you're fine. Because I kept telling myself, like, I'm good, I'm okay. But then randomly, like I would see you know, social posts, like social media posts about like someone having a baby and like, um, or a loss or like, I was just randomly thinking about my loss. And uh, and then like, when those things happen, like she's like, you haven't really grieved. 
essentially. And I think that is something that we have to do before we move on to like being ready to even try again for another baby. I didn't do that a lot. And so my sister literally referred me to a therapist. She was like, you have to get a therapist. Like you guys know my sister, Loana Breo, she's a therapist and she obviously can't do therapy on me because that's unethical. Even though like, yeah, we talked a lot and she was super supportive. And like, I thank her so much because she always kept me, kept me like in line. She kept me positive and she kept, she kept reassuring me and giving me like all these other tips as a sister more than a therapy, but I think the therapist, but I think because she's a therapist, like she can help, but you know, provide those resources, even though she, she shouldn't. And, but she referred me and I found a therapist and I saw my therapist, like for the time that I was trying to conceive for the second time around. And then through my entire pregnancy last year, because talk about pregnancy loss. And like, once you get pregnant, like, woof, that's another topic (laughs) of its own that we could talk about. But once you go through a pregnancy loss and you get pregnant again, like all those thoughts stay with you. And then you're the, the thing that you're always constantly thinking about is that what if this happened again? What if I do lose this baby again? So that was always in my mind when I was pregnant with my, my daughter last year. So a therapist actually helped me stay, you know, like positive, stay, you know, think about um, do the things that I was supposed to do because I was a lot of the, because I had had a pregnancy loss and I was pregnant with my, with my daughter last year, I had a lot of, I was holding back in a lot of things that I was doing. And Rosie can attest to this. Like I didn't share my pregnancy with anyone, like other than like family and friends, whatever, like up until, oh my God, I was like already midway through my pregnancy. Uh, Basically. Basically, until you couldn't keep hiding it with your big shirts and your big blazers. And I'm like, uh, and then summertime came and it was like, okay. I Um, couldn't, I couldn't anymore. And so, you know, like I was like a lot of the, because I had had the loss, like a lot of, a lot of the, the pregnancy, the joy, the joy. Yeah. Get to enjoy it. Yeah. You're not really like happy. It was just like you didn't even want a baby shower because you were scared. So it's normal. Yes. Like you were like, so you didn't want to get like that enthusiasm and then you like I I don't know. This is how I saw you didn't want to let yourself down again. So I agreed. And so all of that happened. But my therapist, you know, like obviously like Prosy and my sister and like those who surround me and I talk to on a daily basis, obviously always kept me positive and just like, no, yes, let's do this. Let's do that. And they were the ones who kind of like kept things going and made things happen, um, you know, with their support. Like I actually like was able to do, you know, more of the like, yeah, like a baby gender reveal, whatever, for the second, finding out that I was having a daughter and or having like a sprinkle, right? Like a mini baby shower, like those things, like I was able to do because of the people that were surrounding me. And because my therapist was always there for me and always just walking me through the process. So that's the number one thing I would obviously recommend everyone. Once you go through something like that, it is imperative, imperative that you get yourself a therapist because it is difficult and you have to let yourself grieve and you have to be able to do this with support and, and, and more so than family and friends, you need to be able to do it with um, professional support essentially. And so 
again, number one thing, but then again, like, you know, social media, but I mean, be mindful of how you use that, obviously, um, just because it could go both ways, right? Where like, yeah, it can help you, but also could be detrimental if you start comparing yourself, you know, to others, uh, other people's journey. Um, and then like Rosie mentioned, I also had a journal, obviously that I would, she, she actually, um, Rosie actually, um, purchased, like gifted me a journal, a pregnancy journal. And then I was able to write down a lot of those things on there. And so it was more, and I had a routine obviously. And I had like those quotes that or Bible verses, like literally where I could see them around my house that would remind me like when I was frustrated about the process of like, oh, why can't I get pregnant this time? Why is it taking so long again? And all those things, like I had a Bible verse for like the way I felt, you know, sometimes throughout the process of trying to, you know, um, go through the journey of molar pregnancy, but also like through the journey of like trying again to have, you know, to actually end up having a baby essentially. So those are the things that I um, essentially recommend. Thank you so much. And um, honestly, like I, I, I give you props for going through all of that because you were able to manage of like how to take care of yourself. Like even though, you know, you used to have your son and, and being a wife, all these responsibilities, but you did take a priority to take care of yourself mentally and doing all of those things because that was like an extra job. I like I, I don't know if the right word is job, but it was like one more thing added to your plate, and you were very intentional about that. So, mm-hmm. um, just want to close it out with saying thank you so much for sharing your story to educate all of us, and especially for women, so they don't feel like they're alone in going something similar to this. Because the more and more I I learn, I'm like women don't open up about this. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of women that you may know, I may know, the whoever's listening may know that could have gone through some type of loss and we're not even aware of it. Until someone opens up like, oh, really? I went through that. And it's because of that. We're just not taught to talk about it or like, oh, you know, it happens. I'll just keep trying. And that's where that mental health really is important. So thank you for putting an emphasis on that's the, you know, after God, the most important thing of like help giving that help. And also like for all of us listening, like to myself, I'm still also learning on how it's a sensitive topic and how to reframe my questions or approach to people, um, to people like, when are you going to have a baby or like because that's like what we use especially in Hispanics and um yeah it, it, is, it is something very sensitive so I'm even also still learning and I just want to close it with saying check out those resources that Janet will put in the link because even if you may not be going through this you could know someone or eventually down the road and you could be helpful also um, just by knowing a little bit more or sharing that. So highly, highly encourage you to go and check out these resources that Jana will be linking in the show notes. So thank you so much for joining us. Leave us, uh, let us know in the comments if you're listening on Spotify, like if you have anything or you even have any questions for Jana. I know that she will be happy mm-hmm. to reply to you in the private DM or even in the private DM on Instagram now that I think of that, mm-hmm. since it could be something sensitive and or a review on Apple Podcasts. So thank you so much for being with us. Y cuídense mucho y hasta la próxima. Chao.